0: some human chicken
1: yeah we're gonna get this thing done i want to eat me some hunan chicken
0: human chicken
1: human chicken
0: greg is gonna eat some human chicken
1: yeah the occasional misspelled chinese menu is not a good thing
0: and then and then it makes you wonder whether or not it's actually misspelled if it's delicious i don't care
1: (laughs) you are listening
0: to the give me five podcast episode 61 is the Give Me Five podcast, a semi-entertaining show about very entertaining things. My name is Grundleham, and always, as always, I'm here with my <laughs> co-hosts, What the F, Greg. Hello, Grundleham. And, oh my god, Jimmy. It's so fun to hear
1: somebody else say Grundelham. <laughs> Together we For are now. the Give Me Five podcast. Episode, it might not necessarily be as fun. <clears throat> We discuss what we do on the Gimme 5 podcast, Rob.
0: We discuss pop culture, entertainment, and sometimes a little bit of nostalgia. This week, we're going to be discussing a wide variety of things, uh, such as The Grinch, Twain's Feast, Fantastic Beast, The Crimes of Grindelwald,
1: Jimmy, uh, and more. Jimmy saw the other version. It was like the straight-to-video yes. version. Actually <laughs> the Crimes of Brundleham. Ham. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Oh, man, I don't know. It's so funny. Uh This is a review show, guys, so there will be spoilers, Um, especially this episode when we talk about the film. We'll do our best to avoid any major twists. Uh So if we are talking about something that you haven't seen, read, or listened to yet, then use your own discretion. This is your final warning.
0: Also, final
2: warning! Also, Rob likes Redhead so much that one time he had a Special dream about Jesse from Toy Story. I can't believe I read
1: that without even. That may or may not have happened. Ugh. Did you tell me that in confidentiality?
0: I know better than to tell you anything in confidence, Greg.
1: Thank you. Anyway, but if you guys want to tell me something in confidence, you can contact us. I'll do it! <laughs> via Facebook by searching for the Give Me 5 Podcast. You can check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Give Me 5 Pod. You can email us, giveme5podcast at gmail.com. And as always, please leave us a review on iTunes or whatever podcast app you are using. That is the best way to help us. That doesn't involve sending us all sorts of money. Uh, reviews get seen and they raise our ranking. And for those of you that have written reviews, thank you very much. Uh, other, ways you can help us. other ways you can help us, of course, are you can check out the Amazon link on our Libsyn page. That basically what you do is you spend a little bit of money on your own stuff. Black Friday is coming up and Cyber Monday. So you can buy whatever stuff that you want. And you can then uh basically just pay Amazon and a little bit of that money comes to us instead of going straight to Amazon. Also, uh Gimme5 Podcast.threadless.com is our store where you can get t-shirts, bath mats, all sorts of stuff, including cell phone cases, and I believe as a result of um just a store-wide sale, I'm pretty sure they're doing free shipping right now. Oh. Um I keep on getting emails about that, so mm. At gimme5podcast.threadless.com. If you were looking into getting a shirt or something else, I'm pretty sure you can get free shipping right now. So let us know. If I ever upgrade from this flip phone, I'm definitely getting one of those cases. Understandable. But the flip phone is pretty sweet. It's also yeah. a way to keep the government from, you know, messing with your business. That's right. No Close that
2: thing, they can't see anything. Exactly. Anything new, guys? Yes. A few things for me. Um, Rob, I checked out the Christmas tree trail.
1: stopped after that. Yes.
2: Yes. <laughs> that was it. Moving right along. Uh I checked out the Christmas tree trail at Disney Springs and, and what did you think? Did not disappoint. What was your favorite tree?
0: Um I I might have to say the Haunted Mansion Tree.
2: I was gonna say without a doubt, hands down the Haunted Mansion tree.
0: Yeah.
1: That's where mine was so the um, great
2: the tree that was dedicated
1: to the human centipede movie. Uh there was, there wasn't uh, one. It was a no, it was there. It was there. It was uh mm-hmm. Um well, it wasn't part of the main trail. There was just some guy that invited me into a van and drove me to it. Jesus, man. Is that not part of that? <laughs> no. Uh, um, oh, my
0: God.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: I love Disney Springs in general. I think it's just a, a good time. It's free. There were about 18 million people there on a Saturday night, but – uh, I saw Eddie Maserati. He was out there walking around. If you guys don't know who Eddie Maserati is. is
0: Eddie
2: uh, Maserati? Ed, 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 Ed. I tried to just plow through that. Eddie Maserati. You're welcome. Uh, Google him. I do not know that is. You will when you Google him. Um, there was a bo- a hot air balloon show here right in the middle of Orlando in uh, Baldwin Park. And it's the first time I'd ever seen a hot air balloon up close. So that was really cool. Um the uh organizers hope to be to bring it on a much larger scale next year so uh do look into that do support it it's a very very cool event and uh lastly i uh i
1: got to do an escape room finally
0: oh sweet how did you like it
1: oh man uh, did you escape or are you currently recording from inside the escape room we did escape Um uh, nice. with
2: with with some help from our game master ace at American escape rooms, Orlando, that is right by UCF. Um, they have several different scenarios. The one that we did was a zombie apocalypse. I've done that one. It was fun. It was very fun. You have to get out of this one room and then into a next one. And a series of opening safes and locks and really using your, your noodle. Um, it was a lot of fun. So, you know, big shout out American escape rooms, American escape rooms, Orlando. Uh, there is a group on, um, I believe it's like like 40 bucks for two people um and the more people you have the cheaper it is so check them out thank you guys thank you ace and uh everyone
0: at American. i did an escape
1: room too it was right after i saw that uh human centipede tree it was neat i didn't even have to pay for it it was just the getting out of that guy's <laughs> van
0: wow that's dedication to that uh to that joke there greg
1: i I, I applaud that thank you props for that man
2: yeah very good <clears throat> what, what about you guys? What's new? Sorry, I, I talked the whole episode. So.
1: No problem. Well, actually, this is a Rob and myself experience, which I really no. wish I didn't phrase it that way. But
2: yeah. So
1: Jimmy, one of our former students, of course. Well, actually, I don't think you had him. I think you weren't there yet, maybe. But um, Eric, he went off to get a job up at uh, with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Eric. Yeah. Well, I was trying not to. Yeah, I remember him. Oh, I'm sorry. Just
2: beep it. (laughs) Oh my
0: God. Go
2: ahead and write that down and and beep it. Eric, (sighs) you. Eric, just Eric, whatever, go on.
1: (laughs) Anyway, so he, he, uh, does graphics and, and works in the control room for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I saw him recently because he, he came to speak to our, to the students and he was like, oh, I know you like the Steelers. If they're ever playing, let me know and I'll give you my pat, my passes. So he got us in. Um, our seats were really quite high up, and we actually, as we were walking up the stairs, I'm like, oh my god, we were like the second-to-last row in the far corner. I think it was like the south end zone or something.
2: Oh, that always—I So oh always feel like I'm just going to fall yeah. and die.
1: So pretty high up. Actually,
0: this it, it really wasn't um, like as, as vertical as some of the other stadiums that I've been in.
1: Mm-hmm. That's true. The view was really good, but at halftime, uh, his wife, his new wife actually, which I did not know, they got married like two weeks before. Uh, came and got us.
0: After he did something
1: to the old one?
0: <laughs> what the fuck?
1: No, I mean, they just got married. She came and got us and brought us to the control room, so we got a chance to see what it's like during halftime in the beginning of the third quarter and with all of the stuff going on. It was, I thought it was really cool.
2: Yeah, it was. That is awesome.
1: So, like, you could see, like, the control room was neat because, first of all, everything was all there. So there was the area where the people were typing the stuff that goes on the scoreboards. There's the people that control what videos are being played. There was the director, the DJ that plays the music, the social media guy was there, the people running the instant replay, and then the announcers were, like, right in the next room. So it was all this, like, smoothly running thing, and the, the director was so definitive about what was coming next. He was like, okay, the public's commercial on this screen, and then, the like, calling out the name of, like, the various, like... Their big thing is, like, the players saying, like, Duvall <laughs> over and over again.
0: Yeah.
1: Duval. Yeah, like that. So it was interesting because he, uh... Because they, like... We're calling out, like, just the tag name of, you know, like, Brick Wall or Stop Them or Defense or whatever and just to play the videos and stuff. And it was just ama- amazing how fast it was. And I'm not sure if you caught the part, Rob, where they were they were talking about which people they were going to put on camera, like the fan cams. Oh, which people? yeah, yeah, and,
2: like,
0: yeah. And, he was, and he was saying, no, I've already seen her a bunch today. No, thanks.
1: One of the cameramen kept on keeping the camera on, like, some girl. So the director's like, would well, you? Well,
0: I, I think what it was was it was – it was the girl with the big, like, purple purple wig and the pom-poms and stuff. Because she was... I saw her up on the thing a couple of times.
1: So, like, they were calling out stuff like that. It was just interesting. Uh, as well as a lot of Waterboy references. It was a really cool experience. And so thank you for that. And it's something I never thought I'd get a chance to do. and never really thought much about. But it was very, very cool. You're welcome. welcome. Yes. And the other little thing here was I saw the other day, there's, there's a book called My Best Friend's Exorcism. The cover of which... It sounds pretty The cool. cover of which is fantastic. It totally looks like an 80s, like... One of those books that had a message, you know, like a Judy Bloom book, written by Grady Hendrix, and it was picked up by Endeavor Content, which they're a horror movie production company. Um, so I'm going to describe this book. Uh, it is described as beaches meets heathers meets the Exorcist, and it's, okay, it blended teen sisterhood and horror to great acclaim, and it was eventually named Paste Magazine's 50 Best Horror Novels, one of 50 Best Horror Movies Novels. So anyway, it was picked up by this company to make a movie, and. The writer is Jenna Lamia, that's writing the movie, who is actually used to write 90, 90210, which actually kind of fits. But hmm. it looks really interesting. It looks kind of right up our alley. It is So the story, set in 1988, follows the relationship of two best friends, Abby and Gretchen, after an evening of skinny dipping goes disastrously wrong. Gretchen begins to act more Uh-oh. and more different. Yeah, remember that one evening of skinny dipping that went disastrously wrong?
0: I do. Things can go disastrously wrong.
1: As Abby slows slowly comes to believe her friend has become demonically possessed. Both girls must soon face a tough question. Is their friendship strong enough to beat the devil? Uh, this looks awesome. <laughs> I'm super. I'm kind of excited about following this I,
2: one.
1: Yeah, I'm, I might need to read this. Call. Yeah, you have to look at the cover if you have not. Again, it was called My Best Friend's Exorcism. The other little thing was some of the people involved, the, the writer also wrote one called Horror Store, which is a movie or a book about a haunted Ikea and Satanic Panic, <laughs> which has become a movie, okay. which just finished, uh, which just finished uh, filming, Sa- uh, Satanic Panic with Rebecca Romain and Jerry O'Connell. All of these look just really fun. They almost look like like uh, goosebumps stories for adults. Or mm-hmm.
2: I have seen this cover. Yep, I have seen this cover.
1: Um, I'm I'm gonna have to read it. Yeah, I'm gonna have to find this book too.
0: Is it an audio book? Yeah, Probably.
1: So I'm excited about that. And that's what I've got for you guys. What about you, Rob?
0: Um, I have two news stories I was going to talk about, um, and you also know, have, a, have a, a
1: genius Houdini dog. I do.
0: <laughs> yeah, for for those who who didn't hear, um, I, I I went, I ran out to run an errand. Uh, Jen had to go to work, so she put uh, Riley in her mm-hmm. little pen, and I I said just put her in the pen, and I'll take her out when I get home. So I come home and I open the door, and I hear thump 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 upstairs and i'm like did she not put the did she not put the dog in her pen oh my god because you know she occasionally will you know forget things um and as we all do yeah and so and so i come inside and then i hear thump 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 and then she just runs down the stairs and she greets me she's like hey dad how's it going i was like oh
1: god i can't put the dog away
0: so i i picked i picked riley up we hadn't moved her pen downstairs yet i took her back upstairs put her in the pen while i just finished up doing some things and I come back into the bedroom, and I find Riley up on top of her crate, going, "Oh, hey, Dad, what's up?"
2: <laughs> That's really funny.
0: And so she has now discovered how to get out of her pen by jumping on top of her crate. And speaking yeah, of escape rooms, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, you
1: need go. to add more clues. I'm like,
0: oh my god, yeah. So um, I, I saw these two news stories. One of which you actually, you actually sent me a picture for, Greg. Um, there was that guy in New Orleans. That was arrested for threatening to blow up. I think it was a Jack's Chicken or something,
1: I'm something sure. like that. Yeah, I just saw that. I just saw a picture that said like something about him saying he's going to blow up a bathroom.
0: Yeah. Well, when I it was saw like the some, caption, it was like
1: from the bottom of a news story, so I just thought it was a funny picture, so I sent it to you. But I didn't go deeper into the story.
0: When I saw the caption, I, I totally understood how that could have happened. I was like, okay, yeah. So he walked into the place, said, "I'm about to blow this place up." Meaning, you know, he was going to lay a bomb in, in the in the restroom and and make them all close down, yeah. Um, but that wasn't actually what he said. Um, now, granted, when he was questioned by police, he had ta- he had said that you know I was talking about the bathroom, I really had to go, and blah blah blah. But his initial statement didn't actually say anything about a bathroom. He came in uh-huh. and asked, "When do you guys close?" And the, the, the ladies, the the lady behind the counter actually told him, I don't know, which is kind of odd for an employee, but she told him, I don't know. And he's like, well, y'all about to close now. Cause I'm gonna go get a bomb and blow this place up.
1: Yeah. And it's that like, poor,
0: it, well, that's not even, I mean, there's, there's not really any kind of indication in there that you could possibly be talking about, you know, laying a big old turd in the toilet, you know? <laughs> I mean, that's that's straight up. I'm gonna blow this place up. Not not yeah. a whole. Uh, I'm yeah, no. That's you can't say stuff like that.
1: I'm concerned. You've said it too many times in this podcast. Yeah, I exactly. Just right now.
0: <laughs> so that was one of the weird stories. But the other story that I saw, I was like, oh shit, Skynet is coming. Sweet. Did you did you see that IBM's Watson wrote a commercial about a car that. that gains sentience? <laughs> what? Yeah, <laughs> I was like, "You gotta be kidding! What is this?" Yes, apparently. Now it was just a rough draft outline. You know, the uh, the directors and everything kind of filled in the uh, the the plot and everything like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Watson wrote a commercial, wrote the outline for a commercial where a car gains sentience.
1: Funny if the the directors and stuff like brought it back to Watson. It's like, here's what the changes we made. Then Watson comes back and adds like murder. Yeah. <laughs> We will add the part where the car runs over the humans. Wait, what?
0: <laughs> yeah, we're not going to do that, Watson.
1: It's funny that you say that because about an hour or two before I came up here to record, uh family is in town, obviously, and uh Siri was arguing with my mother-in-law.
0: No. Was she really? <laughs> like,
1: she was, I, I think she accidentally activated it and said something like, how do I turn this stupid thing off or something like that? I kind of missed the first part. And then Siri's like, <laughs> Siri responded with like, that is not very polite. Ah! <laughs> well, nice. I <laughs> and, and I forget what exactly Siri said, but it was it was funny, it was like the, I don't even think it was that nice, it was like that is very rude or something like that. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh well you guys. Speaking of Thanksgiving, um last year we mm-hmm. for our Gimme Five we did we had Cal on. I think actually I think Jimmy wasn't here. I was not. I was in Virginia. Yeah, Jimmy was out of town. Yeah, so Jimmy yep. was not here, so we had we had to um actually replace Cal, uh Jimmy with two people um, Cal and Omar, if I remember correctly. And I could have probably gone back beforehand, but I did not. So anyway, we, uh, we did that. And we, our question was our five was what are the five worst Thanksgiving dishes? Cause the favorite ones would just be, you know, turkey and gravy and whatever. So we did the worst ones. So this year, uh, not as a, give me five, but we just kind of asked around through our various social media things. We got a few, few responses and I, I did, uh, you know, let's, uh, we can take a look here. <laughs> Violet Panther? That's a friend of mine. Huh. I thought that was another like interesting name because of all the the various. Oh, all names. the stuff that like was Rob was writing
2: people. everywhere and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, no. I no uh,
1: so some of these come about. in from, from usernames, so if you if you hear some weird usernames, you'll understand. So oh. we got a message from Jubals, Uh After careful consideration, the worst Thanksgiving food, in my opinion, is green bean casserole. Um, I love green beans, but this is just a, mussy, a mushy mess and should mm. not exist. Mm. My dog would need it. I
2: am making green bean casserole tonight. Now, Are you
1: going to give any to Jubal's dog?
2: I, the recipe I have sounds freaking good. It's got like mushrooms in it and shallot and, and grated Parmesan. Um, I did not realize that green bean casserole was such a divisive dish.
1: Hmm. um i was I getting like my casseroles I, in general personally
2: mm, i like oh dude breakfast casserole come on i, I don't do the casserole. that's mm. anyway i was getting my haircut and I, I was talking with my stylist and she said well what are you are you making anything i said yeah i'm making green green bean casserole and she
0: goes yeah were you getting a perm
2: yeah i go, <laughs> I go to my hey christy at lady jane's is amazing Lady Jane's, Winter Park, Florida, if you guys are in need of a haircut, go see Christy. She'll hook you up right. Um, but I didn't really. I, I thought it was a beloved dish. But uh, my friend Violet Panther responded to the question and said uh, that they hate green bean casserole. And we may see the <laughs>
1: name ever, by the way. Yeah.
2: VP. Love you. Um, and we did get a response from Veronica on Facebook. And she said, turkey. I always prefer ham. It? Yes, things Veronica. Things? Nah, okay, see, so a few things. First of all, some
1: people hate turkey. I'm not the biggest fan of turkey either. I find it kind of boring. So um, this year, I am in charge of doing stuff. So I'm, I am making a turkey, but I also got myself a, a London broil to throw on the grill. So, that, <laughs> so I'm doing steak with, uh, with an herb butter. Um, and the, uh, you know, it's funny the person that men- that Jubal's mentioned that dog would need it because I don't like green bean casserole. Well, one because it usually has mushrooms in it. I hate mushrooms. Also, I don't like green beans. You and, don't like any the vegetables. The thing is, it always to me looks like when your dog is not feeling well and eats a bunch of grass, and then horks up the grass <laughs> on the carpet. That's exactly I'm gonna, what green bean casserole.
2: I am going to post so many pictures of mine tonight
1: <laughs> of your of dog vomit. We should no, do like a game delicious like on, casserole on with pictures of dog vomit and of green bean casseroles. You have to determine which is which.
2: I am not going to sit here and let you talk about green bean casserole that way.
1: Yeah, I am done. So so we got some other stuff. We got Kristen, who said, hey, what a surprise, green bean casserole. What is going on? And, and it and Jello seems Malt. like Jimmy is the only one who actually
0: likes green bean casserole. No,
2: I tell you what. I think the people – all right. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, if you're listening. Have you I'm ever had – well, <laughs> have you guys ever had green bean casserole that was something other than canned green beans, cream of mushroom soup, and crunchy onions? Because mine is, like, fresh and – got all these fresh awesome ingredients so um I'd be curious to know
1: your response to that yeah so, okay she also uh, does <laughs> not like jello molds now Cr- Kristen is a friend of mine and mm. one- wonderful person and she she does have a thing about jello and pudding that we have had conversations about in the past where really where like jello and pudding and pudding were kind of the foods that she like would be forced to eat when she was like sick so like whereas a lot of kids are like oh qu- sweet I got a pudding you know I got a snack pack she actually thought of it more along the lines of, like, a negative thing that, like, she had to get through in order to actually have real dessert, if I remember correctly. But, so that, so I can kind of see where the Jello thing came in. Yeah. Uh, Omar, our guest, of course, last year and a couple other times. This is my um, favorite response. He responded angrily, that bullshit, sweet potato and marshmallow, it's gross. And then he dropped a conspiracy theory on us that the marshmallow thing was invented by a dude that was paid by a marshmallow company to sell more. So there's some sort of marshmallow lobbyist firm out there <laughs> that... <laughs> somehow f- like foisted upon us the idea that marshmallows go with sweet potatoes. <laughs> so that was I don't I there. dude
2: Omar I'm with you. I don't get that. It's weird to me. Sweet potatoes are weird to me anyway. I don't get it. Um it's just something I I'm not, I not I won't
1: even try it. I've been forced to make um, more sweet potatoes this year than any year cuz that's what the the Frenchie eats. So the Frenchie loves her some sweet potatoes. Mm-hmm. So um and then we also got a um Email who?
2: From, who? But who was like? I, I mean, I guess I guess Omar's you know, theory makes sense. Somebody was eating the sweet potato and they were like, "You man. know what
0: would be really good with this? <laughs> right? Marshmallows." Like eating, Toast eating marshmallows
1: potatoes, bowl of sweet potatoes, and their and their like friend walks in drinking some hot chocolate with marshmallows floating on top. And they're like, "I have an
0: idea." You he got frips. marshmallows in my sweet potatoes.
1: They're like, "You got sweet potatoes in
0: my marshmallows."
2: trips over something and just the marshmallows go flying into the sweet potato bowl
1: yeah so well one of the most the largest lobbies in this country is the marshmallow lobby so they are all over everything so just be careful we're going to be eating marshmallows on our like filet mignons if you're not careful
2: i will not i refuse
1: so brian writes in via gmail "Uh, my cousin has thanksgiving every year she uses this she uses this as an opportunity to try new recipes for the first time
2: (laughs) oh no you
1: try it cold pumpkin soup with blue cheese creme fraiche oh, made wow. by a wannabe chef.
2: Wow. What an awful thing to do to your family. Oh,
0: that's God. terrible.
1: Not anything. I am
0: I objected oh. to offer Brian a place at our house for Thanksgiving so that he doesn't have to be subjected to that.
1: Brian, you're welcome. You can eat whatever you want, Brian.
2: Greg's uh, got steak. I mean, I am so Sorry.
1: Wow! Yeah, and then of course, <laughs> uh, solo base also, uh, chatted with us via Discord and said, "Anyone that brings cranberry sauce still in the shape of a can." And that, of course, last year we determined that was one of the the argument Mostly. points between me and my wife, as she will only eat cranberry sauce in the shape of a can, and I oh, spend so several weird. hours every year making sangria cranberry sauce with red wine and like lemon rinds and orange peel and oranges and all sorts of stuff. So I was up last night, like juicing to make the cranberry sauce. And and then your wife just walks in the room. And is just like, well, what's funny is as I was putting it in the fridge, out. the can of cranberry sauce fell out of the fridge and landed on the ground and it dented.
0: Oh no, now it's shape. misshapen.
1: And she gave me a look as if that better did not have ruined the ability to uncan the cranberry sauce and keep it in the right shape. So we'll <laughs> tune in next week to find out what's going on there
2: the The sound that it makes when it comes out is pretty satisfying. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's I don't know. They're I like it's the satisfying. sound Yeah, cool. So I think that I just this.
2: I just buy cans of of that every year, and I, I buy like thirty or forty cans, and I just stand over my trash can and I just, <laughs> just drop them, them in, in there, and then I, I recycle the cans.
1: I did see some something from someone, but I forgot the name. I didn't get, I didn't write it down, but they mentioned um a, a tuna stuffing that someone made stuffing and added tuna to it and then put it in the turkey and it ended up with like a 15 pound Turkey that tasted like fish. Oh, <laughs> which wow. I thought was, per- I really wish I had written that down. It was, um, I'm trying to find who sent it to, to us, but God. Yeah. I, Oh, where you bite into it. You're like, this tastes like something and like, yeah, it, it was a basically a 15 pound, whatever pound Turkey. We're like. going to the Chinese restaurant. Yep. Pretty much. So, gross. that takes care of that Get gross food. the hars with bowers of Hari Wow. Uh, wow. Bah-rah-rah-rah-rah. Rah, rah, rah. That's going to make I, editing remarkably hard. Have you not seen A Christmas Story? Actually, I have not seen I have actually not seen A Christmas <laughs> the, Story. Their Thanksgiving dinner
0: was ruined, and they went to the Chinese restaurant. Or, their Christmas dinner was ruined. But, you know what I mean. You've not seen that? I have not seen it. Oh, my God. No, well, okay, that makes...
2: You and I found out that my girlfriend hasn't seen it either, so I've seen um,
1: parts of it because it's always on mm-hmm. TV, but I have not seen it.
0: Okay, so so then that, that made it seem like I was just being really offensive as as opposed to actually making a movie reference.
1: Yes, correct. Correct. Wow. You need to watch that movie, <laughs> Greg. I'll have to find a way to uh yeah.
0: I'll... It's on every friggin' year for twenty four hours. You should know, have plenty of time to catch yeah. it.
1: Okay. So let's uh let's move on to our actual topics here. Uh, well, since we we're talking about food, I wanted to talk about something that was kind of neat that I got a just it wasn't something I was really seeking out, but I found it randomly. Audible now gives you guys, if you're a, a member, uh, every month there's like five free books you can pick from. And I think you could pick like two out of the five. Mm-hmm. So th- this year I was going on a drive and I was like, well, you know what? Let's see what they got. And one of them was called Twain's Feast. And I believe it was based on a book. From like 2010. I don't know too much about that because mm. I just found out the book thing like right before we started recording. Mm-hmm. But it was uh, the Audible hosting was Nick Offerman, Ron Swanson from Park and Rec- Parks and Recreation. So I'm like, hey, you know, I'll just do this. And I so I downloaded it. It's kind of like the PlayStation games where you get like two free a month kind of thing. So I downloaded it and it was fascinating. So basically the story was that um, I guess Mark Twain was in Europe doing a book tour later in his life and he was basically living in european hotels and completely annoyed at the food which is weird because european hotel food even back then was probably pretty good like the 1870s i think so he basically wrote this like fantasy meal he's like if i could have the meal i wanted right now it had like all sorts of they said how many there was like 58 courses or 28 courses or some ridiculous amount of courses but mm-hmm. all of the food was was from different parts of his life And while he didn't explain it, there was, like, these Twain historians that got together, and they're like, oh, that's funny. He liked this food because, you know, he ate it when he was a riverboat captain. Or he when he went out, you know, to try to pan for gold amongst the 49ers, Rob, he probably had this type of food, and that's why he wants this food from San Francisco and so on and so forth. And so it's really interesting. So they basically – the author of this went through and tried to make some of these meals based on Twain's description. And – that was what the book was about. So, eventually, what what they did for this like podcast esque version of this thing was Nick Offerman, uh, Jeff Tweedy. If, I don't know. Well, Rob won't know who he is, but Jimmy, you know who Jeff Tweedy is from. Uh, he's from uh, Wilco, the band Wilco, and Wanda Sykes, the comedian, and a bunch of other people got together and like actually ate some of this food. So, um, so you know, just an example of some of the food like Lake Tahoe trout. I uh, think wanted oysters from the San Francisco Bay, which you can't really eat because the San Francisco Bay is very polluted now. <clears throat> they actually ended up eating raccoon, which was, uh, well, smoked raccoon. They ate because, and apparently uh, raccoon uh, is very hard to cook because of, uh, it has uh, glands, like stink, uh, what are they called? Musk glands that make it a little stinky to cook. Mm-hmm. Uh, stewed possum, they, he wanted clear maple syrup because back then you couldn't really get maple syrup without like twigs and branches and stuff floating in it. Uh, something called prairie chicken. They ate turtle, they ate sheep's head, fish, like a bunch of different things like that. But it basically took you through Twain's life. So as they were eating the food, they were talking about different parts of Mark Twain's life, which I thought – mm-hmm. it was really interesting. You got a lot – a chance to learn this. And if, so if you're an audible person, it's free. You can check this out. Um, but one of the things life. I thought was <clears throat> kind of interesting about this was that a lot of the food they wanted to eat didn't exist anymore uh, because – you know was sad because the animals had gone extinct. Um, or were are so rare that you can't even find them. So they went – they, like, went out with people that were hunters and stuff, and a lot of the food they couldn't get because, like, there's obviously raccoons around, but, like, the prairie chicken, which kind of looks like a pheasant, they're usually found around Illinois, and they were found all up and down the country, and they're most they're mostly extinct, one, because people used to just kind of shoot them, but one of the other reasons is is that they, they cultivated the land so much that the more harsh prairie the chickens, where the chickens used to live, kind of went away, so... It's kind of interesting, but and the other weird thing was, like, as I was, you know, it was the same week that I was reading and it, it came out that, like, since nineteen like 1970-something, uh, 60% of all species of animals on the planet have gone extinct just because of, because well, humans are a virus, basically. So it was, like, right as I was reading this article and then I started listening to this thing completely unrelated to it, and they were like, well, we couldn't find this because it's basically gone. You can't eat the oysters from San Francisco Bay. Sheepshead fish is really hard to find. Sheepshead fish is that weird-looking fish that actually has human teeth. Like it looks like it has human teeth, so it looks like these little, like, oh, weird... wow. if you look it up, if you look them up, they're really funny looking. There, it's like a regular fish, but it looks like it has buck teeth, mm-hmm. so it's kind of goofy looking. Um, the turtle that he wanted doesn't exist anymore, that kind of stuff, so it was, it was really interesting. And it was also kind of a good way to get started for Thanksgiving. Um, like I said, I listened to it at the beginning of the month, and it was just, it was a very cool way of, like, being like, oh, okay, let's get, let's move away from Halloween more into changing our mind towards, you know, like, what Thanksgiving has been, you know, how it Vintage foods and heirloom foods and stuff like that. So that was Twain's Feast, and again, available on Audible. It's free probably for another mm-hmm. week. So if you can grab it, grab it. Nice, very cool. I
0: I will say that that you talking about Twain's Feast actually reminded me of a little bit of news that that happened this week about another author. Oh, um, and the 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 reason it reminded me is because it was it's an author that's you know near and dear to my heart because he actually wrote my favorite movie. Uh, William Goldman passed away just this past week, what was it, Monday, I think?
1: Yeah, I believe it was either Monday or Sunday night. Yeah, I, I think it was Monday morning. Um, but he was
0: he was the writer of the novel, The Princess Bride, and he was also the one who adapted it uh, for the screen. He, he wrote the screenplay for it. So very, very much of what you find in the movie is almost word for word from the book. Now, there are, there are a couple of things that are changed, but, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's fairly true to the book. Um, the ending is a little different, but all in all, it's, it's completely his work. Um, and I did a little research on him. Um, there, I, I mean, I didn't come across a ton. A lot of it was, Oh, he wrote this book and then he wrote this screenplay and then he wrote this book and then he had writer's block and he did this and he did that. Um, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on it, but I, I, I found it interesting that, um, his, his two, probably most famous works, uh, the, the only two things that he actually won Academy Awards for were, all the president's men and Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Those were the two movies that he wrote that he actually won awards for. Yeah. And There's actually, well,
1: God, if he wrote those, that's crazy.
0: Yeah. Well, and he wrote. I didn't realize how much he had actually written. You know, they were going through. They were going through it all, and I'm like, God, I've I've never even heard of that. What is that? I've never heard of that. What is that? So, I mean, he wrote a bunch of screenplays. Some of them didn't see the light of day, but he also wrote a bunch that, that came out. But, I mean, there were movies that I'd never really heard of. Um, he did write a couple that I'd heard of, fairly famous. Um, he did have a couple of scripts that were included into the Screenwriters Guild Hall of Fame, the the top 100 scripts, Hall of Fame. Um, so he had, a, he had a, I think, two that were included in that. And um, one of the things that I found interesting was that he never really liked his work, um, but when asked about it, he actually said that the the two things that he wrote, he that I think it was Butch Cassidy and The Princess Bride, were the only two things that he wrote, not that he was proud of, but that he didn't feel humiliation when reading them. Because he just did not like what he wrote wow. at all. Hmm. And, and that's a shame because I absolutely, I absolutely loved the Princess Bride. It is by far my favorite my favorite movie, and yeah, so I mean just just i I just wanted to mention a little bit about him just because you know who he was and the movie that he wrote that I enjoy. but yeah, he passed away this this past week, I
1: believe it was on Monday hmm. Well uh November Arthur 16th to his friends' family and fans.
2: May he rest in peace yes yeah.
1: Well, I got one more thing here, and then you guys um, had the opportunity to see uh, crimes of Grundleham. Grundelham,
0: yes. <laughs>
1: Grundelham. <laughs> so, I will uh, talk again, and then let let you guys kind of do your thing. Okay. So, I did see the Grinch. Now, you know, I've I've noticed just in general in talking in doing this and all that <clears throat> that I find that the, the episodes that we do seem to be better, and we kind of have an approach to talking about stuff because a lot of, you know a lot of times, why should we talk about a movie for an hour and a half when you could to see the movie? That's an hour and a half kind of thing. Exactly. That's better to approach it from like, well what decisions did they make in the movie? How was the editing? How was this, you know, like critiquing and going from there. So with the Grinch, it's kind of a weird thing because like, we all know the story of the Grinch. Like you've probably read the book. It was written in 1957. You've probably seen the cartoon from 1966 on TV every single year. Speaking of Christmas story. And then of course there was the 2000 live action version. The Ace, I just said Ace Ventura, the Jim Carrey version. Uh, which, <laughs> no, you're uh, not wrong. Yeah. Yeah. It's basically it's essentially Ace the same Ventura character. Has, so, you know, it's kind of like I wanted to talk about it. It's it's a really fun movie for kids. My my kid is very sensitive about certain things like not overly scared at movies and certain things, but he very much likes when people get along by the end of the movie. So, there was a lot of little moments for him where he was like, "Oh, the Grinch was able to be nice," which he liked, which I so I, you know, there's things like that. I was like, "How do I approach this?" But the one thing I've I've always wondered Oh and the other side of it is the fact that you know it's it's a 3D animated movie it's done by the some of the same people that did uh the Minion movie and Despicable Me. So it has that very and I think Jimmy will understand this like the very vertical look like all of those mm-hmm. Despicable Me stuff where everything is like stretched out more vertically like Gru is yep. taller than he should be Gru's cars, houses, everything is more vertical. So it has that kind of look um and it's just it's beautiful. Like I was, there's one part, and it's in one of the trailers where all the the like reindeer are hanging out, and like the light is filtering through the trees and bouncing off the snow, and it's got like that haze to it. And like God, the lighting algorithms in this are perfect. And I'm like, what the hell am I talking about? I'm watching a freaking kids movie. Mm-hmm. But it, it was really well done. When the when they turned on all the Christmas lights in the town, mm-hmm. it was just the like we've Too all built. seen, especially especially us, we've all seen like people attempt to light things as if it's being lit by Christmas lights and it never really kind of looks right. Mm -hmm. Now it does like it was, it looked good. Um, so, you know, you kind of want honestly when I was watching the little camera flying through the town as they were putting up all the Christmas decorations, I kind of wanted the Dr. Seuss area of universal to look that way. But you know, my thought was when watching this was like, well, what do I, how do I approach it? And I was like, well, you know, this is a short story, you know, it's, I don't know how many pages, but it wasn't very long. It's just a little, you know, Rhyming story, and it was like a 30 minute cartoon show. So, how are they going to expand this into a movie without adding too much extra stuff? So, it's kind of looking to try to figure out. Like, I don't remember too much of the live action or anything like that. But they did a really good job of extending it without having to add in anything too ridiculous. Like, there's some comedy relief, comic relief people they added in, but they don't. They don't get the. It's a reindeer. The they add the reindeer. Then there's like a the very Christmassy town member that likes the Grinch and is very warm and open to the Grinch, but is the Grinch is like, Oh God, this guy, he's always wearing a sweater. He's actually played by uh, Kenan Thompson. Uh, Speaking of uh, Kenan Thompson, Rashida Jones. And of course the Grinch is uh, paid by uh, Benadryl cabbage patch.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Good dude. Yeah. Uh, We used to hang out. Um, Good guy. uh, He does a really good job. Uh, Yeah. Wimbledon tennis match. does a great job of playing the Grinch. It's, it's subtle. (laughs) But he definitely does like, like
2: well, a like good old Burlington Coat Factory.
1: Yeah, yeah, I love him. I saw actually somewhere that he was uh, he was almost cast in something else. That uh, there's an article that like he almost had like a major role that like on an American TV show before he became famous. But editors note: it was as Bill on the show True Blood. He almost played Bill on True Blood.
0: Buffalo Bandersnatch.
1: Yeah, yeah. Bumblebee Pumpkin Patch. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, he's he's good um in it and they the only stuff they really kind of added was they kind of just expanded on some of the stuff that was already there like in the cartoon and you see the grinch using all these like devices to like steal the christmas ornaments and stuff like that so like he shows him a like maybe a little bit of a montage of like building that stuff or working on that stuff so you learn that kind of stuff i don't remember in the original cartoon or book was was cindy lou who's mom like overwhelmed in the book
0: I don't know about the book. I don't, I don't even know. remember Cindy Lou, who's mom in the original. Yeah, cartoon. I don't think
1: so either. So in,
2: I don't think she was in the cartoon. I think she was in the live action one.
0: Okay.
1: So that's, that's one of the the big things. And it's, it actually makes more sense in this movie where Cindy Lou, who like the whole thing is like the Grinch is like so annoyed that everyone, it's all about presence and commercialism and fake joy and all that stuff. So he's like, Oh, this little girl's trying to reach Santa. So clearly she just wants a pony or something. And it turns out this is not, much of a spoiler because it's the very beginning of the movie. It turns out that her mom is just tired and working too much and has to take care of her and her twin brothers. So she wants Santa to send help for her mom. He wants her mom to have some sort of help, which is kind of that the flashpoint where that makes the Grinch become good later on, of course, because he realizes, oh, this little girl isn't just greedy and wants presents. So, huh. So it's well, That's a little bit of a new take. On yeah. That, so I kind of yeah. like that. Of course, the comedy comic relief with the little reindeer and like the screaming goat. To, which was in the trailer, which was pretty funny. And, you know, it's, I thought it was, it was really sweet. It was a you know, fun movie to watch. I'm, it's probably going to get kind of incorporated into our yearly Christmas movie watching stuff. And, uh, yes. they, they did a really, You've already good got job.
0: one that you need to add to that.
1: Apparently. Yeah. apparently I have to add, uh, Christmas. yeah. Right. I've also never seen home alone, by the way. Really? I oh, So here's a little bit oh, about I, the I loneliness and right Max now. is great. Mm-hmm. The little doggy. And he, uh, They do a good job with, like, the fact that, you know, it's not like the Grinch is pure evil and then becomes a little good. He's begrudgingly good at times throughout the movie, but finally gets, like, he's like, this is so annoying, all this stuff. And when they finally bring in, like, a 80-story tall Christmas tree that basically the Grinch can't ignore, he's finally like, that's it. (laughs) Game on. So, guys, if you're looking for a good Christmas or family movie to watch sometime over the holiday breaks or, you know, on the weekends... Uh, the Grinch is definitely worth seeing. You, if you have kids, you're probably going to see it. I know that. But it's also good for adults as well. And I really enjoyed it.
2: Well, I'm I'm actually, based on your review,
1: considering going to see it maybe on a Tuesday. Yeah, and, and let me know what you think of Bandicoot Thundersnatch.
2: So I believe we're moving on to The Crimes of Grundleham. The Crimes of good old
0: Grundleham. Yes, indeed.
2: And we should probably was that was that
0: a typo or was that just intentional or you just didn't know or didn't care?
2: It was intentional. I thought it so, sounded funny, so I'm just oh, sticking okay. with that. Grundleham. Um, so, how so about
1: wait, so the actual title of this movie, uh, "Fantastic Beasts: The Crimes of Benedict Cumberbatch"?
2: Grindelwald. Grindelwald. Gotcha. Yes.
1: Grindelwald. So, okay. well, I have not seen this, so I'm going to step away.
2: Well, do you want to wait for my? Um... My description? Do you want to hear that real quick? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. So this this my disclaimer here, before we get into, you know, what we liked about it and whatnot. Rob, I know you're a, a huge fan of the wizarding world. Mm-hmm. Um I've seen maybe two of the Harry Potter movies. I haven't read any of the books. Um I didn't even see the first Fantastic Beast.
0: I'm uh, I'm working with
2: you. I I was bored yesterday and uh, so I went and saw part two. I've never seen part one. So that being said, here is my synopsis of the film. So Newt, as played by Eddie Redmayne, is a wizard detective and level 40 Pokemon trainer with some interesting pets. Uh, Johnny Depp plays Grundleham is an evil wizard who wants to eliminate non magic users or muggles uh, while doing his best David Bowie impression. Uh, the Flash is a powerful magic user who seemingly could fulfill or destroy Bowie's plans, uh, known as the Credence Clearwater Revival. The Flash's girlfriend is a Snake Lady from the circus. Uh, Daniels from Alien Covenant has time traveled to the past to help Newt catch all the Pokemon. And Newt's brother likes to give hugs.
1: Pretty accurate. Wow. I haven't seen it yet, so I'm guessing that's about right. Wow. Pretty accurate based Why on. Why do you runs. call him the Flash? He's the Flash. What do you mean he's the Flash? Credence is the Flash. The guy that plays Credence is the guy that plays the Flash in JLA.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, 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 okay. I see. When you say the Flash, I think of the TV show because I didn't really pay attention to that abomination of a movie. Mm, it was
2: okay. It's one of the better DC films, but that doesn't um, mean it was good. I, I know that's not. Right. <laughs> yeah, I said it was okay. Um, So I actually really enjoyed it, and based off of seeing this, um, I kind of now want to read the books. Ooh. I definitely want to see the first movie, um, but I had no idea that this was as tied in with the Wizarding World of Harry Potter as it were. Um, I had no idea that it was that connected.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and being that it was that connected actually brought up one of the things that a lot of people have been, um, complaining about that, that they've basically called out Rowling on, um, Rowling apparently has messed up her own timeline. And I know that she's going to come out and say, no, I didn't No, I didn't, you know, this is such and give some kind of lame excuse when Mm -hmm. really the only reason it was done was for the cheap pop basically in, in wrestling terms, um, and this, this isn't a big spoiler or anything, Greg, so you don't okay. have to leave.
1: You already told me about it on the drive oh, okay. to the foggy. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, but in in one of the flashback scenes, one of the characters that – and this movie is set in 1927. Yes. And so they have a flashback scene to one of the characters stays at uh, Hogwarts while while they're a student at Hogwarts. Is and that uh, Lestrange? Yeah, yeah. Lita mm-hmm. Lestrange's flashback. Um, to when she was a student at Hogwarts, and and there's a certain part of it where something happens, and a student goes and complains to the professor, and the professor happens to be Professor McGonagall, mm-hmm. and and I and I fully believe that that was intended as a cheap pop for people to go, oh Professor McGonagall, because everybody loves Professor McGonagall, right? The problem, um, is, sure. The problem is, is that Professor McGonagall wasn't born. Until 1935. So she's messed up her own timeline. But you know she'll go back and be like, oh, well, you know, they never said her first name. Well, then why the hell would you have somebody named McGonagall in there? That's just uh, – no, she, she messed it up. And, and she's done it before and, you know, she's been called out on it and she doesn't react very well to it. But she's she is very good at revisionist history. Um Okay. With with the whole thing of of Hermione being black or Dumbledore being gay, um, how she's come out after the fact, after everything's been said and done, and said, oh, well, you know, I initially intended for them to do that. And it's like, no, you you can't take credit for it if you didn't actually stand up and do it to begin with.
1: You know what I mean? If you guys like, in a Twitter war with, with her. Oh, J.K. Rowling? Yeah, J.K. Rowling. Uh, One, it could probably only benefit the podcast. Two, if the lawyers get involved, we're screwed.
2: Yeah, just cover her eyes and ears with money should be fine.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: But yeah, she, and, and so that was, that was one of the big goofs that a lot of people were complaining about. And a lot of people caught it because, you know, you know, comic nerds and, you know, uh, Harry Potter heads and, and anybody who's really, really like overly passionate about their, their fandom Mm -hmm. uh, is going to pick up on stuff like that. And
1: what, is Harry Potter heads really a thing?
0: Potter heads? Yeah, I think so.
1: Really? I was about to
2: ask what they actually do call themselves, and that's what they call themselves.
0: I, I think it is. Uh, the research department can probably validate that for me. But uh, uh, You guys talk. I will look that up. But I believe they are called Potterheads. But um, all in all, I, I mean, I would have to agree with you, Jimmy. I really enjoyed the movie. Really? Um, I will say, because I want to see what you think about it. Okay. Um, as opposed to the first movie. Which I have not seen. Right, but I, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you what I noticed in the first movie. The first movie, Newt was really the central character of the movie. He was the focus of the movie. But in okay. this movie, it kind of seemed like he was more of a side character, almost like he was a pawn in the whole thing. Like, sure, did, did did you get that? Like, if you had watched this movie, did you did you think that this movie was about Newt? I thought it was at first. Uh huh.
2: And then he uh, so was what, more... what I've
1: got here is uh, Dumbledorks. All right. Uh, uh, um, bitches. <laughs> I like that one. So we'll go with that one. Uh, uh, the um, bitches. No, it's actually Harry Potterheads. Uh, Harry yeah. uh, Potterheads, just Potterheads.
2: Yeah. So as I was saying, um, he became more of the facilitator, I think. Uh, he, he was definitely, uh, I guess a pawn is another word for it. So, um, you know, he was used to set things up. Right, um, But,
0: but even as the pawn, it didn't seem to me like he was the focus of the movie. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? No. The, and yeah. you can, the, the, this is supposed to be like a five movie series. I believe they were saying it's Yeah, it's three to be more. Five. Yeah. It's supposed to be five movies, but you can already definitely tell, that nude is going to fall by the wayside. You know exactly where this movie series is going. The movie series is headed directly at the Dumbledore Grindelwald fight. Yep. That that is exactly where it's headed.
2: Yeah, it and yes, you know, having not seen the first one when Dumbledore showed up, I was like, "What?" Oh, okay, it's like that. Um thought Jude Law did a really good job. Um but yeah, immediately when he showed up, I was like, okay. And then he showed up again, and I was like, okay, like I see where this is going now. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah, and it. The, but all in all, I did really enjoy the movie.
2: Um, yeah, I mean, I I wrote some things down um, about it. So, like I was saying, I didn't realize it was it was that connected. I had no idea. Um, I thought Eddie Redmayne was awesome as Newt, and. He's just a very likable you want him to succeed um he's He's very talented you know uh magic user, and I like how Eddie Reman was able to keep up that character where new you know he never really looks anybody in the eye for for too long. um He seems kind of uh coy and even um uncertain of himself a lot and in an interview. Um, The question was asked to Eddie Redmayne, who he said, uh, now, where do you think Newt falls on the autism spectrum? And Hmm. Eddie Redmayne said Newt, you know, definitely does fall on the spectrum, you know, probably in the Asperger's, um, you know, classification Although, you know, he wouldn't have been diagnosed at the time because the first observed diagnoses of Asperger's was in the
1: 1940s. Um, so a little interesting information there. Yeah, a few things. And if Real you... quick, it's funny that you say mm-hmm. that because I watched the first one last night. Mm-hmm. And there were a, a few little things where where Eddie Remains or where Newt wasn't really like catching on to stuff. And my thought was more that it was kind of a British thing or like a not from this world thing more mm-hmm. than an autism kind of thing. So it's funny that because that I picked up on something interesting like that. And then you mentioned the whole Asperger's thing. Also, I also think yeah. that Asperger's does not exist anymore. Oh, really? I think that it was no longer in the, um, in the, the book. And I have to mention that now or else I'm going to, you know, hear about it at some point in the near future. <clears throat> it was, okay. uh, it was removed from the DSM in uh, 2013, May, 2013. So that's. The,
2: okay. All uh, right.
1: Interesting. Cause it's, um, let's see, cause it's a, it's a severity level of autism. So it's kind of like, it's just, uh, it's a long article that has nothing to do with what we're talking about and I will only mess it up.
2: Okay, sure. Time. Um, now some specific things that, uh, unless you, you had anything to add to that, Rob. No. Go I ahead. was going to say just, yeah, just a couple of things. What I liked, um, again, Eddie Redmayne is newt. Uh, I really liked the creatures, especially the Zuwu. Was that the, the... Zawu?
0: The Big, like Chinese dragon thing, yeah, yeah, that was neat.
2: Uh, it was so good. Uh, the visual effects were wow,
0: yeah, they were pretty amazing,
2: M- pretty mind blowing. Um, I'd not seen a, a visually spectacular film like that, um, in a while when they um, kind of go through to the other side and uh, they're at the uh circus performance, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, when they slipped through the statue, uh, that was just incredible. Yeah. Um. Now it's it's pretty dark. What? All right. As a uh Harry Potter devotee, um, what would you would you say the tone is darker than the Harry Potter movies, or how? What do you What do you say
0: um, to that? I would say not necessarily because I I okay I believe that like Chamber of Secrets was fairly dark. Um, um, there were, there were some that were darker than others. Chamber of Secrets, I think, was, was fairly dark. Um, mm-hmm. another one would probably be the, what, the Order of the Phoenix?
2: I know there was one that people were, like, drowning and stuff and getting caught in weeds. And,
0: yeah, well, but that was, so that was, the, dark. That, that was number four. That was the, um, the Triwizard Tournament one. Um,
2: yeah, then that dude died. I was like,
0: whoa! Yeah, that, I, I thought mean, this was
2: a kid's movie.
0: Aside from him dying, that one really wasn't that bad. Um, it, I mean, maybe it was a little bit darker, but not. I mean, I would say the Chamber of Secrets was fairly close, okay. uh, or even the um, the last the the one right before the, the series, the uh, Half Blood Prince. But no, I, I mean, it, it it had its moments.
2: Okay. Um, now, what I didn't like about it: uh, the very quick telling of the Alchemist story. Which I'm sure is elaborated on much further in the book,
0: or maybe in the wizarding world in general. Um, the 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 story about Nicholas Flamel was actually mm-hmm. talked about in the original Harry Potter movie.
2: Okay, it was. Yeah. Okay, good. So because so having I I was a little dissatisfied because I thought he was really cool. And it was. I was like, oh it, man, we didn't.
0: If you had seen, if you had seen the other movies or read the other books, there would have been a nice little, um, a nice little Easter egg there for you. Um, I don't know if you noticed it, but in, mm-hmm. in the scene where where he went into his vault to grab something out of it, the Sorcerer's Stone or the Philosopher's Stone was actually in the vault, and you saw it. And people oh. in the audience were like, "Oh, the the red rock that was in his vault, Yep. that was the Sorcerer's Stone." Okay,
2: very cool. So. Maybe it was more of a surprise to see him in the movie, like a good, like, oh hey, he's here Mm -hmm. for people who are are fans. Yeah. All right. Okay. Cool. That's that's good to know, and I'll I'll have to discover that. Um, not knowing who the Flash was until the very end, I was like, oh come on, come on. You know they they get so close to it.
0: Yeah. That's well. That's that's another one that I that I have a problem with um okay and, and we talk can, about that yeah we we can discuss that because mm-hmm. that is that is spoilerific um we can discuss that but we should warn greg
1: oh yeah that greg are you there i thought you might have spoiled something so i was pulling my i pulled my head we off. we
2: won't how about that rob i'll just I'll, well if you want to we can
0: yeah we can we can discuss it but we'll warn greg because he won't want to watch it or won't want to listen to it um, yeah, so and we'll try and be as, as hmm. edit free as possible. Yeah. Spoilers! Spoilers! Man, call spoiler alerts before you say things like that. All right, so what did you think of that ending, Jim? Okay, so I was.
2: That was the thing. I was annoyed that they had said, oh, this is who you are, you know, earlier in the story, and that's what you'd believed. And it all seemed to make sense. And then at the end, um, your final spoiler warning, i uh, give you like three seconds because I'm about to say it. Credence is Dumbledore's brother.
0: And that's the thing. I, I mean, I, I did like the bait and switch. I liked mm-hmm. that they were leading you one way for the entire movie only to be like, well, no, that's not what happened because of this, he can't be this. So, but I've, I've seen a lot of like fan theories. I've seen a lot of like people breaking down the ending. Um, and there's really only two things that make sense Mm -hmm. because it, at the end of the movie, basically Grindelwald tells credence that he's a Dumbledore. Yes. And logically there's really no way that that happens Um,
2: so you told me why, but tell me why again.
0: Okay. Because it makes sense. For one, um, when Dumbledore was a kid, his sister was beat up by some muggles and that's what caused her to repress her magic and become an obscurial. His father went and killed the muggles and was put in Azkaban prison for the rest of his life. So he wasn't around to impregnate Dumbledore's mother anymore. Dumbledore's mother couldn't have gotten pregnant and had a kid without her three kids knowing that, that there was a brother. And the fact that it's never mentioned in any of the any of the other stories that Dumbledore had another sibling
2: mm-hmm.
0: is just if it's true would be a complete travesty of storytelling. Okay. Um. And and on top of that, there's the fact that Dumbledore was born in 1881. Credence mm-hmm. Credence is in like his 20s at this point, um, so yeah. he was born like in the 1900s, um, which means that Credence would have had to have been born when Dumbledore was like already like like 20 something, 30 something. I don't know that my math is terrible on that one because it would no, been like 29 or mm-hmm. no 19, I guess 19 because he was 1881 and Credence, I guess is supposedly to have been born in 1901. So he would have been 20 years old when Credence was, mm. um, which at that point I believe Dumbledore's mother was already dead. <laughs> um, now I guess it's possible that, that, you know, he could have been born, um, unbeknownst to him by his sister making him really kind of his nephew then the whole line of your Dumbledore's brother would have been wrong so there's there's two theories that I think are the most logical um and one is that well quite frankly Grindelwald is a lying liar who lies Ah. Uh. So he could have just been lying to Credence to use him basically because he thinks that Credence is the only one powerful enough to defeat Dumbledore and he needs he needs to defeat Dumbledore. Um I mean we all know that's not going to happen because we know what happens. But he thinks yeah. that that Credence is the only one powerful enough to help him defeat Dumbledore. Um so he's just lying to him saying whatever he can to him to get him on his side. Um but he he compounds that with the whole phoenix thing because earlier in the movie they say that a phoenix that basically the Phoenix is the family pet of the Dumbledores and a Phoenix will always come to a Dumbledore in a time of need or something like that. Yep. So, and he, and Grindelwald basically presents Credence with a Phoenix at the end of the movie, which very possibly could be Fox, which is Dumbledore's familiar. Um, that, you know, it's very possible that he takes it from Credence. But the other theory that I think is highly probable is that the, the first movie, which you didn't see set up the idea that an Obscurial can live outside of a human host. Because it's it's thought that, that to destroy an Obscurial, you have to destroy the host because the Obscurial can't live outside the host. But the first movie set up the idea that the Obscurial can, in fact, live outside of a host because Newt has one in his little zoo. In the first movie, you actually see it. Um, and I think what's p- possible is that when Ariana was killed, Dumbledore's sister, in that duel with Grindelwald... Her obscurial mm-hmm. was released, and it somehow survived outside of her body until it found Credence and basically took took Credence on as its new host.
2: Did that happen in the first movie?
0: No, that's that's part of the lore of Harry Potter. That's that's all explained in in the Harry Potter movie.
2: That uh, his sister loses a duel with Grendelwald.
0: No, uh, his sister didn't lose the duel. His sister was an unfortunate accident. There were Dumbledore, Grindelwald, and Dumbledore's brother Aberforth were all in a fight, and um, basically Grindelwald and, and Aberforth started dueling. Dumbledore tried to step in, and before long, they were all f- flinging spells everywhere. And Ariana got hit with a stray spell and died. She was the only, the only, uh-huh. um, the only casualty of the fight. Mm and after and that basically ended the the duel or the fight that they were having um but she was the one who died and it's possible that when she died her obscurial was released and somehow found uh residence in Credence um because that actually would have been close to the right time because at that point uh Dumbledore was like 18 20 something or other because he had come home to take care of him after he had graduated from Hogwarts so he was probably in his early 20s at that point so that that timeline would fit if the Obscurial could somehow find a baby to take over, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay. So so that that fits, and the being that it's his sister's Obscurial, that could have somehow I don't know either tricked the Phoenix or made Grindelwald think that he was a Dumbledore if he's how if he's if he's hosting a Dumbledore's own Obscurial, you know what I mean? Does that make sense? It does. And so that's that's the theory that I buy the most. But the, the fact that he's an actual blood Dumbledore, I, I mm-hmm. think is I think is kind of stretching it. Yeah, they don't even really look alike. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's kind of stretching it. Or they I made
2: mean, no attempt to cast someone who looked like.
0: Yeah. I, you know, I, I think it's I think it's a lie by Grindelwald. It's, it's either a lie by Grindelwald okay. or Grindelwald was actually fooled into thinking that he was a Dumbledore because he's hosting Ariana's Obscure. I think those are the two most plausible explanations.
2: I uh, Yeah, I don't, I don't, I can't speak too much on that. But Grindelwald certainly is a, a convincing dude. and um, Played by Johnny
0: Depp, who's fantastic.
2: Played by Johnny Depp, who was really good. Uh, I read a comment, a friend of mine, Jesse she said she was really pleased to see Johnny Depp playing a role other than Jack Sparrow. Yeah. As he has a tendency in his other movies to kind of play that role too. Mm -hmm. Um, It was good. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely interested in the lore of it. Now you have got me wanting to read so many damn books. Mm -hmm. I shake my fist at you, but I enjoy them. So um, I dig it, man. It's, it was really good. I was really, um, I'm really, really glad, glad that I went and saw it. Land, yeah, though. yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, it's great. It's 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 really good. I'm almost done, actually. See. And then um I might either move on to uh the second Furies book or the second of the land, or I might take a little break to do some historical reading. I'm not sure. Right on. But cool. Well, I guess we can text Greg and bring him back because I think we can put Grendelham to bed.
0: Yeah, we can. Go to bed, Grindelham. Or Grundleham.
2: <laughs> Grundleham. Um, I'm really looking forward to the next movie. Uh, I don't know that I'm going to wait long enough and I might just read the
1: book. I uh, am back. I was just adding some stuff to our Instagram. Some some more delightful 70s and 60s. Oh,
2: no, were you? Nice.
1: Yeah. It turns out that there was an ad campaign from Camel Cigarettes uh, to make sure you smoke a cigarette after every meal to help with digestion.
2: Oh, man.
1: Uh, as as we speak, I was going to send it well, sooner, but Rob interrupted me to tell me to come back.
2: Wasn't the Wasn't <laughs> Camel the ones that you see in all the old ads? Um, that it was like number one recommended by doctors. Yes, it was. Yeah. Hey, I've got a little interesting um tidbit here about a character that you only see very briefly in the Crimes of Grindelwald, and this is no spoiler, Greg. But uh, you've got an appearance by Olwen Fiore. I'm probably saying that wrong, but she is just popping up in a bunch of movies that I've seen recently. Um, not only fantastic beats, but beats,
1: fantastic, fantastic beats. beats. Sounds like a, a uh, rap by album. Dr. Dre. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
2: she was in Mandy. She was the, uh, older woman in the cult. Um, she was in the survivalist, which I've seen recently, and she's going to be featured in night flyers. So, um, Good on you, Owen. That's uh, that's very cool. So, nice. popping up in a lot of movies that I've liked recently. That's what I got on that. Excellent. So, Greg, if you could, before you play that uh, last segment, just play some some warning, some alarms or something
0: <laughs> like that. <laughs> Bless you. Yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll see what I can do. The, yeah, it's it's a huge spoiler. I just scared the crap out of my dog.
1: The traditional boiler sneeze of Rob. I thought there he was like fake sneezing over me, so I didn't say something. Well, as this is our Thanksgiving episode, we're going to do things a little different for the Give Me Five question. So I wanted to know, guys, what are the pop culture things, music, books, movies, anything pop culture related that we are thankful for? Um, at the end of this, if there is something you are thankful for in your real non-trivial life, um, we will, as we're saying goodbye, we can also do that as well. But let's stick with the pop culture stuff first, and then we'll go from there. So, as usual, I'm thankful that Jimmy is going to go first. All right. Woo. I'm fine with that.
2: because this was this was pretty fun. I thought we were gonna do like bad Thanksgiving dishes again, and then I saw the script and I was like, oh okay, cool. So uh, I'll just go ahead and count it down. I'm gonna say number five, and I got a little inspiration from yours, Greg, so sorry to steal. But number five is gonna be the wonderful world of podcasting. Um, there have been a lot of podcasts that I've really, Uh, became a devoted listener to in the past year. Um, Some that I've been listening to, you know, since last year, some that have come to their end, such as Alice isn't dead. Uh, Some that I'm waiting for to come back like King Paul's AM. Um, You know, this time last year I was, uh, I was in Virginia at this point, but when we were driving up to Virginia, we listened to pretty much nothing but King Paul's AM. And uh I Can't Wait, uh, Ars Paradoxica, that's another one that's ended, uh, The Bright Sessions, just very, very uh, grateful and, and thankful for, for that entertainment. Um, to be able to listen and learn and hear a great story while you're on your way to work is, is really something fantastic. Yeah. Um, I am thankful for some directors, uh, Anouk Whistle, Francois Simard, and Johan Carl Whistle, uh, they are the directors behind summer of 84, which we've seen this year. Oh, so uh, they are also behind turbo kid. I think they're just a, a wonderful breath of fresh air as are other directors, Ari Aster, uh hereditary, of course, Panos Cosmatos of, uh, I wrote the Panos Panty. Comatose. Yeah. <laughs> Mandy, uh, uh, John Krasinski, who would have thought we'd be putting him on the horror director list, mm-hmm. but, uh, Number three, horror. Horror movies. Yeah, it's been a great year for him. Hereditary, like
1: I just mentioned. Um, you know... It was last year, but it kind of started just an onslaught of awesome horror.
2: Yeah, it just... It, from there, it just... Halloween. Uh,
1: Duh.
2: Yeah, Halloween. Um, it's been a great year for it. It's been a, a great year for horror. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's been kind of accepted uh, back into the Cool Kids Club. So... Um, Number two is the 80s revival that's happened in the you know recent years we were on zombies for such a long time that it's really great to see kind of the 80s culture creeping back in um, everybody thought it was going to be disco but no sir no ma'am keep it in the past we've got stranger things we've got summer of 84 uh, you got the music you know number one synth wave so <clears throat> the Goldbergs
1: still going strong
2: yeah, yeah, uh synthwave has has been a a real game changer for me. I was I was you know big into uh death metal, which I still I still love death metal, but um synthwave has come in and kind of kind of pushed that down towards the end of my playlist and there just seems to be more and more cool stuff coming out every day. So that's my list.
1: Nice. I'm uh, going to make Rob go next.
0: <laughs> okay. Ooh, you're I will go bloody. next. Um as far as pop culture, um, I don't know that some of my things are actually pop culture, but it, they're are things that that definitely weave into the fabric. Because um, uh, some of them is some of it's just like technology based and and uh, comforts that we have that I absolutely love. But um, I podcast made my list because I mean, without you know podcasts, we wouldn't even be here doing this. That um, is true. Wait, so, it's a podcast, podcast is- or
1: what's forcing me to talk to Rob at least once a week?
0: Yeah, absolutely,
1: you know. You I gotta know
0: change baby. my list. Um, I I would also say that um, as far as pop culture is concerned, I really enjoy the good quality um, comic book movie adaptations because I think when they're done right, they make really great movies and very entertaining movies to watch. Absolutely. Um, so, comic book adaptations for movies. Um, Fuck you, Bill Mar. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and and. and- as another side here, I'm gonna I'm gonna piggyback on that. Uh, next week, we are going to at least I am going to talk about the Daredevil season three ah. show, which is excellent, has some really cool stuff, and it is based on one of the one of the major Daredevil stories. So if you have not and, seen that yet, go ahead and fuck okay. you, Bill Maher, and fuck you, Bill Maher. And there's there's a couple that are coming
0: up that I'm really looking forward to. I'm really hoping that Bumblebee can set the Transformers franchise. Oh correct. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, oh. Um, I've seen a couple of trailers and I'm like, oh, you know, this might not be too bad. And I'm hoping that they can kind of turn it around.
2: Uh, I saw, I'm sorry. I know we're kind of, I feel like we're kind of cutting you off, God. But uh, I finally saw that new trailer on the big screen when I saw uh, Crimes of Grindelwald. Oh God, I raised my hands up in the air when I saw uh, Soundwave. Soundwave, yeah.
0: Yes! And Oh my God. And Shockwave, did you see Shockwave? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I I'm like ooh, they might, and and I'm really hopeful that they can set the franchise correct with that movie, um because the other ones have all been terrible, um but also another another genre that I absolutely love that we'll probably be talking about in the coming month is the Christmas horror genre. Um, oh yeah, and there's there's another one coming out. I believe it's December fourth. Uh, all the creatures were stirring. It's another Christmas horror movie that I think we should probably check out and talk about. Sounds good. I haven't even heard of this. So. Um, but my number two and number one are probably things that I use the most often, which would be Audible and, and Netflix. Pornhub. Oh, sorry, and and Pornhub. Yes,
1: <laughs> Audible and Netflix. So those
0: are my one and two. Gotcha.
1: Particularly the category about redheads.
0: Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> on Netflix.
1: Yes. Okay. So I am first of all thankful uh, for this year's guests on our show. When we started the show, it was like, yeah, let's just talk about fun movies and stuff. But I didn't realize it was uh, going to be opening the door for just a chance to talk to some really interesting, fun people. So, and
0: and thanks for making me and Jimmy seem like assholes. Uh, you, yeah, we, no, don't, no, right? we don't care about the guests, <laughs> you no. guys. Well,
1: I would have put horror on there, but I didn't because Jimmy took care of that. So, But I also feel the same about the, the various, horror, various horror things. So, you know, for example, and I'm probably going to forget some people speaking of assholes. Um, but, uh, Joe Ballerini, of course, a couple weeks ago, Garrett and Sabrina from I Know Dino, uh, Tim Capello, from uh, Cal. yeah, Cal, Cal, I, 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 he hasn't been on for about a year, actually most exactly a year. Um, we gotta fix yeah, we that. Have, uh, so Tim Capello, of course, the sexy sax man from Lost Boys and with his new album. Oh man. Uh,
2: what a great interview. What a great him. guy. He's going to be
1: on tour yep. very soon. His, I think his first live show with his multimedia kind of extravaganza is going to be like, December 27th, he said, up in the New York area, maybe New Jersey area. So, if you guys are looking to check that out, and then we're going to try to get him down to Florida and kind of show him around.
0: Yep. Uh, Kirk, yep of course,
1: uh, yeah, well, that was... Oh, yeah, yeah, that yeah. Was- Still one of my favorite episodes. Was that 2018? That was, well, was 2018. Because that was January. It was January. It was, yeah. Awesome. So, yeah, we got that. And, uh, um, of course, our coworker Mitch, who had some things to say about, uh, about Disenchanted.
2: His response to our uh the questions that we were doing when he he said they're back from the dead and they're ready to party and he just said pet cemetery
1: it cracks me up every time (laughs) yep so so very thankful (laughs) for those guests and very thankful that the the podcast has allowed us to do that we've actually Kerwin yeah Kerwin of course we yeah we've had a chance to do some other things we we actually have a bunch of interviews kind of in the can but we haven't done anything with them yet of synthwave artists that we've seen live uh we just haven't done our episode yet because we've been busy so there's that uh, Netflix and Amazon Prime, uh, oh yeah you know, whatever I'm looking to get away, especially this is gonna make Rob get giddy. But when the TV channels were all littered with political commercials and I just didn't oh, want God. to get knocked out of whatever TV show I was watching by some sort of commercial saying something, um, I would just put on Netflix or Amazon Prime. and I you know, I got the chance to see stuff like Castlevania, which was season two was wonderful. Haunting of Hill House. Wonderful. We
2: will be talking about that soon.
1: uh, Altered Carbon, you know, Globe, Mute, all of this awesome stuff. So.
2: Oh yeah. Black Mirror.
1: Uh, You are going to hear some slightly loud noises behind me as the child has started taking his bath. Oh well. Uh, Mike Flanagan. He is the guy that did Haunting of Hill House. Uh, It pretty much set the tone for my past October. I'm going to, Try to watch it as much as possible because there's a lot of things in the background. He also did Gerald's game this mm-hmm. year. He's working on Doctor Sleep, which I've read the book. It's really good. It's the sequel to The Shining. So we got that. Uh, I'm going to go with live music as my, uh, my, my number two there. Um, and there's just been a lot of up and coming bands that definitely you could tell they've learned about music from listening to their parents' classic rock albums and rock albums. So the ones that come to mind are like uh, Greta Van Fleet, which we've talked about, Rival Sons, which I don't think I have, but I love them uh c2 and the brothers read jimmy introduced me to and you know we oh i love them i can't I've wait to listen to them me. on uh on Bandcamp or soundcloud or something um
2: you know what's funny about i feel like i'm interjecting here so much but the funny thing about c2 and the brothers read that it gets me every single time when it comes on my playlist i'm like who is this this is awesome mm-hmm. and i look at my phone at c2 and oh, the brothers read i
1: was listening to him uh, while doing the notes for this episode actually Nice. Uh, and even, you know, the throwback 80s bands like the Synthwave stuff. So, you know, that could also be a lot of the younger people. They're like, oh, this is the stuff that my parents used to listen to and the stuff that we used to listen to. So, of course, the Gunship, the Midnight, that kind of stuff. So Synthwave kind of made it to my list. Mm-hmm. Um, and just be, you know, being at concerts, that's I'm very thankful for that. I've done a few recently. It's always nice. There, there's I don't know. There's one of the little things that kind of made this question come up was because I was thinking about, like, there's something about when the concert is over and then, like, the house music comes on where you're kind of a little deaf and the music comes on, you're like, and it gives you a chance to be like, well, wow, that was really kind of good. So I know there's something about it. And my number one... I can understand. My that. number one podcasts. Uh, it occurred to me, not I was doing some stuff with my car not too long ago, and I realized that my radio stations weren't programmed anymore. And I was like, I wonder why. And I realized like six months before I had some work done on my car, and they obviously had to pull the battery to do it. So it was six months mm-hmm. that I didn't even try to listen to the radio at all
2: uh, yeah it, this year i have very infrequently listened to the radio because there's so much amazing mm-hmm. content out there it's so much great stuff to like listen. this
1: spring so. i was just on a history kick so i listened to a bunch of podcasts about history um i got into a, like a true crime kick throughout the summer after summer of 84 actually so we had like last podcast on the left um you know wanted to learn more about various politics things from all angles so I started listening to like Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, which is sort of related to last podcast on the left that they share hosts. But, you know, it's people that don't share my political views that are smart, that have they're very well read in what they're talking about. So I get a different perspective. Um, of course, lore, how did this get made? Talking about funny movies, stuff like that. So podcasts are, you know, obviously you people listening to us know what a podcast is, but it's they're free entertainment
0: (laughs) that's questionable
1: true true. (laughs) there is other content out there far superior to what you're listening to right now however the three of you you know might want to search around no seriously though but like you know it's it's kind of like radio was in the in the 20s and 30s where like they have there's you know narrative podcasts there's science there's dinosaurs there's everything so it's just a it's just a cool thing and i don't think that enough people listen to them and you know, I. There needs to be, everyone needs to be doing it because you can learn so much about everything. So, podcasts are what I'm thankful for.
2: Yeah, awesome. Well done. So, do
1: you guys have any thank, like, serious thankfulness things for your for friends and family in our last minute? No, no, nah, I really don't like anything <laughs> okay. else. Well, great then. Well, I'm thankful for my friends, family, pets, all of you guys out there. Thankful to the listeners. And uh, the butterflies, the sun, the grass, no air. No, not the butterflies. They know what they did. <laughs> um, I am
2: thankful very much for you guys um, having been doing this for 61 episodes and over a year now. Uh, it's been a blast and it's, it's, it, it really is a lot of fun to listen to when I have to go back and do quality control. I, I think we got a pretty good thing going here. So kudos guys, uh, my family, my friends, my girlfriend, Uh, my big wonderful extended family Um, looking forward to throwing down with them soon and uh, yeah and Scully
1: I'm thankful for Scully too I know you are bye guys Uh, remember to uh, follow us subscribe rate review thank you in advance thank you and good night or good morning or good afternoon whatever you're listening
2: good morning good afternoon and good
0: night This is the Give Me Five podcast, a semi-entertaining show about sometimes legendary subjects.
1: Whoops. <laughs> yeah, yeah. let do that bit... again. <laughs> Rob, are you thankful for pumpkin pie?
0: Ooh, it is good. Not sweet potato pie, though. This is weird. But I have yet to find a store-bought pie that's as good as mine.
1: It makes me so uncomfortable when he says stuff like that, because I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop.
0: No, I no, he's Greg, actually you know my talking pumpkin, about a pie. You know my pumpkin
1: pie is Rob best. becomes a chemist when he makes pumpkin pie. I swear to God. Like, I watched him make pumpkin pie once. And he looked like uh, like uh, Breaking Bad. Like uh, He was, like, too, tasting. It's because he was actually oh. making meth. Yeah, I knew it looked Anyway.
2: Well, fine, then. I'm going to go make green bean casserole. And I'm going to post all sick. the pictures on Instagram. You sick, sick son of a bitch.